0: for fun, just as a, as a, as a fun exercise, I used to hula hoop all the time and it's the same motion. (laughs) So if you, if you happen to be able to get a hula hoop, that's a really fun way to exercise your hips and and get into the, the groove of it. And I do think that like doing some squats and stretching beforehand, drinking water while you, while you're pegging is, is always a all those good things you know like getting your body prepped and ready you mentally have to set your expectations in a in a certain way that like you're gonna get tired you're not used to this like you're gonna get tired taking breaks is a good thing probably for both the top and bottom for the giver and receiver like taking some breaks is important and going slow even even more than being on top or or like riding cowgirl it's so different bouncing up and down is different than thrusting in and out it's just different But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the trad wives, the work-from-home husbands, and service subs who keep the kitchen spotless. This is Billy Procida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Tradwife? wife, did I say that right? Is it trade wife? Is it, I don't know. Whoa. That was an alarm to say. Billy, it's great that you're hanging out with your friend at a diner in Queens, but you may want to get home so you can record this bad boy uh, before your hot date tonight. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm just saying, is it like trade wife, like coming from trade, coming from gay speak of like when a dude is trade super mask or is it trad wife and then it's. I don't even want to try to guess what the trad means. Anyways, I'm done. I'm sure I can Google it. This week on the podcast, everybody, I don't think she's a trad wife. Lindsay Miller, if trad wife is like not, I don't even know if it's okay for me to say. Lindsay Miller, she's uh, the co-author of the pegging book and one of the hosts of Polyamory Uncensored. We're going to get to my conversation with her in just a little bit, but first... Folks, my show dates are always going to be in the show notes moving forward. Go ahead and check those if you want to see me do some stand-up somewhere soon. If you particularly want to see me do stand-up without clothing, you can come to the next Naked Comedy Show at Hacienda. But You're going to want to get your tickets fast because last time we did this in September, it sold out 10 days in advance. Get your tickets now. And there's a link in the show notes. Um, you know, before we get to the guests this week, I want, I want to bring something up that came up in the champagne room. Uh, it came up in our episode discussion channel. And if you don't know what the champagne room is, it is our, say it with me, Chuck, super free, super fun, super sex positive discord server where you can connect with like-minded listeners and fellow fan whores, and even people who don't even listen to the show, but think sex is fun and pleasure is good for you. Uh uh this this came in reaction to episode 467 with Kira Jones. Now, so th- this came up from from one user uh Wido. He writes, "What the fuck is drive? I keep hearing that word and I can't help but think it's a code word for not poor. Does he drive an Uber? Yeah, does he have drive? Yep. Don't worry, he won't be poor forever. That's what drive means, right? That the poverty is temporary. One of the reasons I started listening to this podcast was that it mirrored a friend of mine's life. He is smart, tall, good-looking, and women would fuck him, but when they found out he was a taxi driver, they'd dump him. He was someone with lots of self-motivation. He's someone that is constantly learning and growing, but he was also a taxi driver. Apparently that's okay when you're 20. It's not okay when you're in your 30s. Ignoring that and just pretending that other drives are equally important seems to be blowing smoke up people's asses. He was, he was pretty upset. I, I asked him, like, dude, are you an Uber driver? Is that why this is, like, triggering to you? He's like, why does it matter? I'm like, whoa. Obviously, the, the, the drive that me and Kira were talking about were a potential partner's drive in life. Okay, if they're not hustling to make money, are they hustling to create art? Or are they working hard at an hourly job so they can travel and live the lifestyle they want? Or do they hustle to take care of their family? Or are motivated to start a family? We're talking about ambition. And professional ambition is just one of many types of ambition. Kira's issue wasn't that this guy didn't make a ton of money. It wasn't that he said he's an actor and just hasn't gotten his break yet. Kira's issues. If I may speak for her, which maybe I shouldn't, but whatever, were that he didn't seem ambitious about anything. He said he's pursuing acting, but wasn't really taking steps towards that career path, like going to auditions, creating content himself, collaborating with other actors, taking a bunch of classes, whatever, learning to tap. He was, and this is the big, this is why we were talking about it in the first place. He was intimidated by her success. It wasn't about having drive to be a great actor to be rich. Having the drive to be great at something can be super attractive. I'm not crushing it financially, but I am dedicated to my creative work. Dudes, today more and more women are becoming capable of providing for themselves. And you know what they want? That you could give them like a half decent dude. How often, especially lately, I feel like the last several months there's been a theme. How often have we, you've been hearing female guests talk about how low the bar is for men? Listen a little, offer to help, just generally give a shit, figure out how to make her come or at least make her feel good. That's what I do at least and it hasn't stopped me from being a bit of a man whore, right? I've been in several relationships since I started this show. My income did not preclude me from any of them from at least one of them being a bit of a prick, definitely definitely was a, a major factor. Okay, and this is confirmed. We got we got quite a bit of listener feedback in that thread uh, in the champagne room from several uh, female listeners, and I, I just feel like, you know, if you're a guy and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I sound like quite the cuck, listen to the women themselves. Princess Peach, she writes, I define drive as the desire to improve one's circumstances and to contribute positively to society. And what that looks like varies over time and is very individual. Most of us are quote unquote poor to varying degrees at some point. And at that time, drive probably does look like the motivation to work hard, to not be poor anymore, or at least less poor for someone who already has enough money to meet their needs, whether by luck, privilege, or hard work. Drive might look more like the motivation to use those resources to help others or to build something meaningful rather than just accumulating more money. For those who are parents, it is also a desire to raise the best humans possible and to give them a good life. That sort of drive is what I am looking for and have been lucky enough to find. Mary Beth writes, Lack of drive is a contributing factor in my last breakup. I kept and keep climbing and climbing professionally, and he completely stagnated years ago, and it became an enormous turnoff. Not that he doesn't contribute financially, but zero drive. No oomph, no desire to do a little better. At 44, I'm done having children, and I'm not looking for a dad for the ones I have. I have a career and support myself and my family, so I'm not looking for someone to help pay bills either. So my partner's drive doesn't exactly matter to me. I have a partner that we meet up, fuck, smoke a joint, and say, see you next time. I don't even know what the guy does for a living, and we don't really talk much past pleasantries. I have another partner, my current favorite, and he's well-educated, has a very good job, takes me on nice dates. We stay in hotels sometimes. We're currently planning a weekend getaway to Colorado next month. We laugh and joke and talk at the same level. I could on a dime confidently invite him to a work dinner and know he could hang. I'm incredibly attracted to his success, but I still am not looking for another husband. He is filling the respectful, kind of funny, attentive, and very fun to hang out with boxes. But my partner I meet to fuck fills different boxes. All of this to say everyone is so different in their wants, desires, needs. I think it comes down to being honest with yourself about what you want and then not being an asshole. I think I think the one of our mods in the champagne room, julia i I think she I think she really nailed it, which by the way, we covered Julia and come for this comment because uh, every week uh, the best comment in the, in the server gets covered in come you'll see what that means. Join the server, you'll know what that means. Okay, Julia wrote, I just want to say that this drive we're talking about is an internal process. Drive is not what happens when someone else is nagging you to do things first. A person has to have goals, big or small goals, short term or long term, doesn't matter. Got to have at least one goal. Now, what's going to light a fire under your ass for you to achieve that goal? What are you going to do to make it happen? Where's your motivation? Motivation equals drive. Why the fuck do you get up in the morning? Some people are driven by money. Yeah, that's fine if you want a lot of money you'll have to earn it That you know that just means you have to plan your career and work hard and have a great uncle connection whatever you have to take certain steps whatever they may be along a path in order to reach your final objective in this case to be rich some people are not driven by money hi nice to meet you as long as they've got enough money to get by oh this sounds like me they're fine but they want nothing more than to be a Famous musician. Well, then the driving force for them is that dream of playing on a stage in front of thousands of people. Once again, there's a path they have to take to get there. Ass loads of practice, networking in the local music scene, writing and learning songs, taking initiative to contact people about setting up gigs, all that shit. People who have goals without having the drive to reach them might look like. Oh, this this hits close to home because I literally just bought our our tickets for the the fan whore Mega Millions pool, but. this might look like buying a couple of lottery tickets each week because their goal is to be rich or starting a band with a few friends but then spending 75% of your practice time uh, drinking beer and playing video games putting in the bare minimum or waiting for someone else to make it happen for you and just hoping it works itself out that shows a lack of drive yeah Both of my examples are career related, but it doesn't matter. The template is the same. It's all about having some kind of goal and putting actual honest to God effort into reaching that goal. You could want to build a cabin in the fucking woods and you have no interest and you want to live off the land and you have really no interest in trying to accumulate some kind of massive amount of wealth. That's drive. And during the daytime, you drive for Uber so you can save up for those supplies to build your fucking dream house in the woods is this where i i ask you to throw down two dollars a month on my patreon probably folks if you want to join this discussion or any of our other discussions in the champagne room there are channels for all sorts of things from cannabis to kink to parenting to sharing your hot sex stories okay uh link in the show notes but you can visit manhorpod.com discord introduce yourself today Patreon members in the Champagne Room will be joining me on January nineteenth for the next. I can hold on to it. I can hold. On. Uh, uh, ah, 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 fuck, fuck, shit. Ah, hot movie night. Fuck. We gotta try a cold movie night one of these days. I think I just got third-degree burns on my pinkies. Yes, Hot Movie Night, Uh, Patreon members in the Champagne Room, we will be gathering around to watch A Night at the Adonis. Uh, This is apparently like a golden age classic. This is apparently like one of the best gay porns. And that'll be uh, Thursday, January 19th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. One of those people who may be joining us for that night is the recipient of this week's Fan Whore Appreciation Moment. Uh, I want to give a a big old thank you, thank you hug to raffy laffy shake that raffy laffy that raffy laffy oh shake that raffy laffy that raffy laffy oh man that shit was hot when i was in high school raffy laffy thank you for supporting the man Horde podcast on patreon hope you enjoy your annual membership enjoy the perks all year long and you, too, can support the Man Whore Podcast. You, too, can support me, the work that I'm doing, uh, help me prevent having my debit card declined when I just buy some slices of pizza. Uh, you you can do that for just $2 a month. I know $2 does not cover a singular slice in New York City, but it does a lot to help. Become a member today. Enjoy a slew of great rewards at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon, P A T r-e-o-n dot com slash man whore podcast or download the patreon app and find me on there okay our guest this week Lindsay miller uh Lin- lindsey uh co-wrote the pegging book apparently there are a lot of books out there on butt stuff on butt things on prostate pleasures but not quite something about pegging the sexual act of anal sex with a strap on dildo as they so specifically defined it a couple of nights before new year's eve I, did, I, got, I got really stoned and decided to like clean and reorganize my apartment and i found the charger for my b vibe rimming plug it'd been missing i don't know i think definitely for the last like two apartments this dil- this butt plug has this vibrating butt plug has been dead for at least a couple of years and then uh, lo and behold Found the charger in the closet. I charged that baby up. It's still it still got a buzz to it. Pegging, you know, pegging still not I'm not ready for it. Because as we talk about in the show, very intimate act. There's something about grabbing my hips and thrusting into me and and like fucking me that feels intimate. Whereas in if you took the, the harness off, you just took the dildo off the harness and fucked my ass with the dildo. I'm like, I'm down, I'm good with that. But I'm still I'm still saving pegging for marriage or like deep love. But I may or may not be getting a little bit more impatient. I I wallet no lady a hundred percent was gonna be my pegger person, but then you know, that happened. So hey, uh this is a dope episode. I uh, hope you all enjoy my conversation with Lindsay. Gonna hear a quick word from a sponsor, and uh and then let's get to this thing.
0: When uh Cooper and I started teaching a class on pegging, the reason it worked so well in my opinion is Cooper had a lot of experience being pegged. And Mm. I had a lot of experience selling every sex toy and harness and lube that was needed because I work at a sex toy store, the tool shed and erotic boutique in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Shout out to them. They're awesome. And uh, and yeah, and so I had a lot of experience selling everything you need and answering all of the questions that people have when they're beginning their pegging journey. Uh, And so I kind of had the technical aspect down and he had, although I have pegged before but he had a lot of experience being this like pegging enthusiast and being known for being like connoisseur of pegging uh so it worked really well with all of his like personal anecdotes and all of my technical know-how to kind of come together and teach a class on anything you might need to know about pegging
1: and wait so does that mean you learn new things about pegging you didn't know
0: um yes i would say that i definitely learned some things i mean I don't have a prostate, right? Like, so I, I was, I'm a cisgender uh, woman. And so there are, there were things that were in the beginning when we started a class together that were interesting to kind of correlate like a prostate orgasm with a G-spot orgasm and how similar they are and how we could like talk about them together and how if someone We're so lucky to be able to feel them both at the same time, which Cooper has. Uh, They actually feel very similar, a G-spot and a prostate. Uh, And so that was really interesting to learn. But otherwise, I guess I – and maybe some of the more, like, things that Cooper has talked about with his doctor, you know, about potentially how the health benefits of milking the prostate. That wasn't something that I've ever had a conversation with my doctor about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. you, You didn't know, oh, it decreases the cancer risk? Well, come on, boys. Get get into it, yeah, for your health. Yes.
0: Potentially, like I don't think there are a ton of uh, studies actually proving anything, but potentially, and it couldn't hurt.
1: You know what? If there are enough dudes saying actually, my jizz is good for your skin. I mean, the jury's still out scientifically, but I'm pretty sure I saw one kind of study. I think we could do the same with the with prostate play. I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Again, it doesn't hurt. A lot of people want to tell you to do something sexually because, like, well, I read a study; it could reduce the risk of this or that. At this point, if they keep telling us that different ways of coming reduces risks of cancer, it's like maybe just being happy can yep. help reduce the risk of cancer. <laughs> maybe just feeling good in your day-to-day uh, makes a little less darkness on the insides. I don't know. but Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, again, I think that it's it's worth a shot.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm here today uh, with Lindsay Miller, pegging expert, co-author of uh, the new The Pegging book, and uh, also a fellow podcaster, uh, co-host, uh, co- just host of uh, Polyamory Uncensored.
0: Yeah, I I host. I I do have a co-host. Um, uh, but I am kind of like the, uh, organizer producer. I do all the um the back end and editing work as well, which has been interesting and fun and and uh, and yeah. And so the polyamory uncensored, we interview polyamorous folks and talk about their journeys and um and yeah and mostly started with just interviewing all of my friends. And then the pandemic happened. We started move moved over to Zoom, and now we can interview anyone. And so we've interviewed people all over the world.
1: I feel like it's a category of podcasting, whether you know, it's polyamory or like explicit sexual talk. If you're doing it long enough, you just go to sex events and someone's like, oh, or, like, do does anyone ever go up to you? Like at, whether it's like an orgy or a kink event, but, like wait, are you the podcast chick?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think also because I, I help um, organize the local events uh, here in Milwaukee for poly folks. Sometimes people will just know me like from my voice or mm. some people will know me as a writer or something. And they'll be like, "Oh, you're Lindsay? Oh, okay, all right, I see." And I I, sp- I spell my name weird, and so that also helps. If people see my name, they're like, "Oh, I know that name. I know that Lindsay."
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like I only know one no one one Lindsay who spells it that way. It's definitely yeah, exactly. the poly kinky chick with oh, all yeah. the strap-ons. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> does that does that ever get uncomfortable for you, like at an event, because like you're known as the organizer?
0: Um, I would say that like on. FetLife and maybe other meetup actually a couple times on meetup I will get messages asking folks like before uh, a class and all of our classes are are not demo classes they are lectures right but people will ask do you need a pegging bottom and I'm like I don't know you (laughs) and I'm not doing that (laughs) no we don't Um, and so that will be kind of awkward Um, but then in person I don't know that it's been too weird I think the only thing that has been strange is like, if I'm interested in somebody, it's can be, um, people can be intimidated by me sometimes and are like afraid to talk to me. And I was like, okay, well that's sad, but also whatever, you know, do you think (laughs) that's to do
1: with your general demeanor or do you think that's to do with like, uh, your position of authority or whatever?
0: I think it's not, well, it could be, I think my position of like, you know, if you, if you're gonna do something with an organizer or someone who's known in the community and you fuck things up, I think it's a higher pressure, right? Like, because you might have to leave. I I mean, and I never try to, yeah, I don't want to tell people like, oh, if you, if we have a bad date, you have to leave the community. I would never do that. But also like, I'm sure that's what people feel.
1: Yeah. But there's also an element of like, if you can't eat pussy well for the good of the community, I must expel you.
0: (laughs) I would never, but also yes, I I guess that's how people will feel, right? I can, I can see that. And so I think people are are a little afraid. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think there there are sometimes um, when I'll catch people realizing who I am uh, in the middle of maybe like hitting on me and they go, oh, and I can see, yes, like they they will sometimes like lose all the color. Oh, I didn't realize you were the organizer. Okay, I'm going to go away. And I'm like, you don't have to, but also like, okay, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, But yeah. They're like, can I hit,
1: like, am I allowed to hit on the organizer?
0: Right. But I mean, I did meet my husband at, like my local poly group. So like some people are allowed and they do. (laughs) Some people are brave. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, is there a different way to approach, say the organizer of a party or a poly event or like a kink party? Like, should they approach you differently or should they just act like you're anyone else and follow the rules?
0: I I feel like you should treat everyone like you would the organizer, right? Like treat everyone with the utmost of respect um, as if, fucking it up with anyone is going to mean that you're i mean i don't want people to be afraid but you know like with so much respect and uh and care that like uh that there are consequences because i think yeah. that that's probably one of the the problems with the communities in general is that you you don't think there are consequences especially online especially like or uh, at an event where you probably don't know anyone and you might never see them again. I'm like, well, there are no consequences. It's like, yeah,
1: you get more s- you get more scared to, like, mess up, like, your speech or your behavior in front of, like, the queen of the party. Uh, because you're like, well, then she'll definitely kick me out. But it's like, you- you're going to get kicked out no matter who you do it to. Mm-hmm. So you just don't do that. And I know we want to be like, well, you shouldn't want to do that because you wouldn't, shouldn't want to make someone feel X, Y, or Z. But, like, not for nothing. Consequence, great motivating factor if all else fails.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just treating people with respect. I mean, everyone's def- definition of respect can be, can vary a bit mm-hmm. and, you know, people are afraid of being creepy and sometimes that will prevent them from doing anything at all. And that's not necessarily good either. Right. I've been on dates with people where like nothing happens. No one makes a move for, hmm. I feel like, you know, five dates and it feels like months and weeks of time. And and when I finally kind of break down and I'm like, so do you even like want? Do you want to keep seeing? They're like, I'm just scared. I don't know what to do, and and uh, and and that kind of um, prevents people from moving forward because they're so afraid of I don't know making a misstep. So there's got to be some kind of medium, like <laughs> there's some kind of ground in the between there.
1: There, there's an element of the like I don't want to make a misstep, which I think everybody just has in general and always <laughs> has. But then you know over the last let's say five, six or so years. Uh, I do think like there are a lot of dudes who are being a little more reserved because they're just like, they know the rules have changed and they may not fully understand the new rules. They want to, but it's all nuanced or whatever. And so they're, they're a little like nervous or you know, trepidatious and they don't want to like cause a, do a misstep that like would cause harm, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that's zoomed out grand scheme of things like a good progress step.
0: I guess I think that being careful is good. There's a level at which being too careful seems to everyone else. Like you're not interested anymore. So yeah. I think ke- keeping open lines of communication is so important being like, Hey, you know, I don't want to make a misstep here, but I'm interested just saying things like that, like b- being very clear about what your interests are and, you know, where your boundaries lie I think those are re- that's really important.
1: And I, now I know how I at least attempt to, uh, but like, how does somebody do that and still keep like a sexy vibe? Because mm. like I've tried to explain it as like if you ask for a kiss the way like a nervous Swifty asks Taylor for an autograph when they run into her at like Starbucks. Like, yeah, that's not going to be like really hot if you're like shaking and nervous and sweating when you're asking for like to to advance sexually with somebody like at a play party or, or on a date or whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah. What, what would be your tip?
0: Well, I do think practice makes perfect. You know, like sometimes um, when people are new to flirting, it can be really, really difficult. But the more they try to try to flirt, the more they they practice flirting, I think the better people get. Um, So I think that there's going to be probably a, a time period of adjustment where it is really awkward to ask someone, hey, would you like to make out? And it is frightening because they might say no. <gasps> but The alternative is they will. You don't get to make out because you don't ask anything. You know, they <laughs> might say no. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. Rejection is hard. I totally simply I, I understand. I have been rejected before. I get it. And, and you it survived. Is, You're still I here to tell the tale. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you can still be friends with that person. Like things in life can move on and it's okay. Uh, and, and, and there's, you know, like this uh, mentality, I think, especially in, in queer poly play play, play party spaces that like um, no is a gift you know, giving someone your no means that you're being honest and that, and take receiving someone's no means that they are honest with you and trust you with their no. And that is a gift. So kind of reframing it in your brain is not a rejection so much as like, um, someone that trusts you with being honest with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking with, <clears throat> I was at a party last year where a, a few of us were me, this other guy and this woman, we were all just talking and and mean the guy were kind of talking about how we like had to like unlearn the rules of like flirting and hitting on someone at a bar, right? Uh and like we relearned like a better way to do that that's appropriate for that environment or like not just walking up to a woman and just be like yo want to fuck or like getting kind of explicit, but then but then like at a sex party you can be a bit more explicit. Like you can open up with like a well-worded compliment about someone's ass. Yeah, But at a sex party. But that so that we were trying to we were we were relating on how after relearning how to operate outside of society that how we like had to kind of like fake unlearn some of it for the context of a sex party of like how to go, you know, and hit on people.
0: Yeah, it can be a bit of a different world uh, for sure. I, I and I feel like even just going to poly um, like meetups and socials, I do feel like I can be a different person. I can talk about my husband and boyfriend in the same sentence and I don't have to worry about this person being like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? And so, um, yeah, you, you have to like, yeah, you reframe things, but when I'm hanging out in a family social, I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> you
1: know. Where'd you learn how to flirt?
0: Ooh. Um, I still don't know that I'm <laughs> great. <laughs> I still don't know that I know how, um, <clears throat> I read a, like my entire getting into reading and eventually becoming like an English major in college and, and then um, becoming a writer uh, started in middle school, reading romance novels, which are mm-hmm. not a great way to learn how to flirt <clears throat> because they're not real. They're all fantasy <laughs> and they're silly, but um, that kind start of start hitting on
1: people. They need like a thesaurus to be like, wait, wait I, I mean, it sounds nice, but I'm not sure what like loquacious <laughs> means. Right.
0: Um, but you know, like getting into scenarios in your head, and um fantasy like the fantasy world it is a little bit of a way of practicing like how well what what would i say in that situation what would i do in that situation and i think that becoming hyper fixated on on rom-coms for most of my life uh that helped in a way of like creating this script in my head that like if this were to happen what would i how would i respond what would i say um but there are definitely people that i'm so impressed by with how quick they are you know like people who are like improv comedians or something who are like they can flirt really well because their mind is working faster than i and i am as a writer it takes me a long time where i'm like i would honestly rather flirt via texting because i can compose something whereas if i'm in person at a bar i'll get flustered and i won't know what to say and then i can't i can't do it
1: <laughs> you know where that comedic wit and quickness though comes from it's that's just terror and fear all this is like <laughs> i'm in a position where like i have to be charming and funny and flirty or I'm going to look like an idiot because like on stage when you're like if you're improvising or riffing or where you, you, you put yourself in a corner comedically it's like well, the next thing I say has to be funny so that like survival instinct of like what's the next funny thing you have what's the next like good compliment about someone's eyes you got because you need it now it's as, you know it's it's kind of like a, a fight or flight uh just kind of getting thrown into the deep end
0: that's fair yeah and I guess I I've have- I I end up flirting so much via text that I, I have to warn people. I'm like, my bark is different than my bite. When I'm <laughs> in person with you, it might be different. And I'm sorry because I'm very flirty online. But when you meet me in person, I might not be able to talk to you. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm going to try to set my I'm going to try to set your expectations because I might be a flustered ball of awkward energy. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> it it'll, it'll depend. And yeah, I feel like working off someone else's energy is really important, too
1: what yeah what it, what is the difference then between like you know textual self and and in real life self
0: um i think maybe just that level of confidence where i know that i can read over what i'm going to send someone multiple times and try to perfect it and be like this is the right thing to say this is going to say what i mean instead of my nervous rambling in person that where i might just be talking and i might i if I'm nervous, I might not actually be saying what I mean. Right. And so, uh, I don't know. I think that when it comes to someone who is really flirty with me, that will put me on like a, uh, a high alert of, um, I don't know what to say right now. I don't know how to respond to this because it's weird that someone is, is flirting with me. And I think that comes from being self-conscious and, uh, have lowing, having low self-esteem throughout most of my like teenage and early 20 years Mm -hmm. where I wasn't used to people complimenting me or hitting on me. And then when I kind of got over that bullshit (laughs) and it started happening and I was recognizing it, I was like, it took me a long time to be like, this is not weird. Or this person is um, not thinking this person is like teasing me, you know, like being mean or malicious. Uh,
1: Yeah. It would be like, you wouldn't believe, like you didn't even know people were flirting with you. To long after they'd be like, well, you never made a move. would be like, I didn't know because you're like, I, I, it sounds like similar to me, um, especially when I was younger in that my default is you're not interested. Yep. So when it seems like maybe you're interested, well, there's no way they're interested. So it must be one of these like other absurd scenarios I came up with in my head. No, no. She just wanted to warm up in my car. And oh, she did forget to order the Uber to stay longer because she's not trying to make out with me in the car. So it has to be some crazy other thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Your, your brain comes up with every justif- justification of any, any kind of scenario that's not, but they're into you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, they have to yeah.
1: like say it. There needs to be an explicit compliment, like about my looks, just something along the lines or like a thigh touch. Give me something to know that that's the track we're going down.
0: And what's um, interesting uh, or, or unfortunate about so many folks in the polyamorous community is that all of us are like that. And so if it's two people who are refusing to make a move because they absolutely cannot understand that the other person is flirting with them or they're flirting unconsciously or they're like, this person is just nice and I'm just being nice back. And it's it's these double negatives. There's magnets that just cannot hit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's poly people or like two fems on a date. Nobody's Mm -hmm. in on anybody. (laughs) Yep. Everyone's just being like, I hope they like me. I'll wait. I'll say over here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the femme bottom energy that cannot uh, mesh. It's it's very unfortunate because there's so many pretty people in the community and they yeah. just can't they can't make they can't meet.
1: And do you feel like you've gone over that? Like if you go on repeat dates with somebody, does do you get more comfortable in that that online and in-person selves start to mesh? Or do you really have like kind of two different personality styles in the in the two media?
0: I think it's been really helpful to um, date people who are like straight talkers and get to the point and are really good communicators. And as I've gotten older, those are the people that I'm attracted to. And I remember being on a date with my my boyfriend of, of now four years. And I was like, you know, third date or something. And he was like, so I would like for this relationship to progress um, like sexually. Would you be interested in that? And he just came out and said it. And I was like, this is the most adult conversation I've ever had. And yes, absolutely. A hundred percent I would. And it was just like, and he was like, "Great, that's uh, that's wonderful. I'm so excited that you said yes." And I was like, "What? Who does this? Who just says that?" Poly <laughs> and I loved people. It. it was so great. I know. Poly which which is why d- hitting creation. on
1: people in the normal population could be awkward because it'd be like this would be a very good way to like come on to you with like this group of people, but like you know, civilian at the bar. Uh, it's like I gotta I gotta figure out how do normal people do what I normally do explicitly with the the non monogamy folks.
0: Right. They play a game. You know, which again, the game is fun. I, th- I played the game throughout my entire 20s. It's a fun game to play. But uh, but at some point when you're losing the game because you're playing it too hard, <laughs> it's like it because it doesn't it's not fun anymore.
1: It sounds like you are one of the big organizers of your local scene. I mean, back to how was that 14, 15 years ago, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. We actually started the group 14 years ago. The Milwaukee Poly group is just what we call ourselves. And um and yeah, we had our 14 year anniversary this January.
1: And what was it like to start something like that back then when, you know, every once in a while we're seeing some non monogamy in TV and film, but back then it was sparse if at all.
0: Yeah, it was so interesting. So I was twenty one at the time. Um and I was in my very first polyamorous relationship. Um and You're twenty
1: one, you're in your first poly relationship, and you're like I could org- I could run some shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what's funny is there was a local meetup, but it w- they were all over sixty. And we're talking, you know, I'm like try trying to have a conversation with them about coming out to my mom, and they're talking about coming out to their adult children. And it was just there was a <laughs> disconnect. And even though they were wonderful people and sure. super lovely, I just felt like a disconnect. And Tristan Terramino was coming out with her book opening up like that year. And she had a, like, I don't know, kind of fireside chat thing, a book signing event at the college I was going to. And it was packed. There were a ton of students there, a ton of kids my age. And so I was like, well, even if folks are just interested in ethical non-monogamy, there's interest. Like, there are people my age. And so I, we, my, my boyfriend at the time and his wife and I started the group. With the uh, at the time again I was twenty one with the assumption that it would be the young Milwaukee poly group like we are the young folks we want to come and talk about young new poly issues uh, we dropped the young a couple years down the road because I was like well eventually we're not going to be the young <laughs> or new <laughs> people in the group so uh, so eventually we dropped that but but yeah our our intention was to create a space to discuss poly issues and support one another and get advice from one another from like the position of being new and young and having no fucking clue what you're doing, making all of the mistakes, commiserating about all of the mistakes that we're making. Um, So yeah, that's why we, that's when we started it. And I didn't work at the tool shed at the time, but I knew the owners and I asked if we could use their space after the store closed. And that's kind of how I developed a relationship with the tool shed, which was amazing. You know, it started this really long friendship with the owners. And then I eventually started working there and I've been there for 10 or 12 years i can't remember 12 years yeah
1: mm. now now pivot a bit on onto pegging <laughs>
0: yeah
1: now now you had you had done some pegging in your yeah. time before doing the book now is pegging like like one of, like is that like one of your things or is it just like are you the chick who co-wrote a pegging book and is like yeah
0: you know it's uh
1: i could take it or leave it
0: <laughs> what's funny is like um for me...
1: <clears throat> or did you get more into pegging? Did you write this book? You're like, I've been missing out.
0: <laughs> um, I definitely uh, enjoy pegging, but it wasn't something that my partners were super into during the time of writing the book. So what was interesting... But like my exes were. <laughs> so what was kind of funny <laughs> is that like I had a lot of experience <laughs> with my exes, but, at the par- but the partners I have at the time and, and at the time of writing the book weren't super interested. They were like curious, but like, well, honey, not... it's for the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, So I didn't get more experience by any means because of writing the book, though. You know, I'm on like, I'm on the Wikipedia for pegging now and I am excited. Hey. Yeah. is not weird. I, I mean, it's so now I am a, like a known person on um, to be able to talk about pegging, but in my everyday life, it's more about the, the knowledge of pegging and all of the, the products and things that I can talk about and the benefits and the, and the, and then the, also like the social side of pegging, like getting over stigma, getting over that internalized homophobia and misogyny that goes along with anal sex and play and, and all of that stuff. I really like um enjoy talking about, enjoy writing about, but then the act of pegging, I just didn't have a lot of, I don't currently have a lot of interested parties except for people who are complete strangers, which is like a <clears> whole <throat> other thing because I'm been demisexual. And so I feel like for me pegging is like super vulnerable for both parties yeah. because I'm doing stuff to another person and they're receiving and like and that can be super vulnerable and it can be a super intimate act. So for so many people that I've talked to about this, they're like this is purely kinky and it's just something that I do with with maybe strangers or people who are just interested in pegging and I'm not interested in dating them. And for me, it's like the opposite end of the spectrum where I have to be dating someone for a long time i have to be trusting of them i have to be they they have to be super into it and i have to be super into it at the time and it's got to be like a enthusiastic loving thing um and yeah and it has been really interesting to hear other people's idea of what pegging is and then my own feelings around like i will only peg someone i'm
1: in love with (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> like you know and so um, and i'm definitely- saying like i'm
1: waiting for i'm waiting mm-hmm. for someone to peg me that's in love with me that's yeah.
0: <laughs> i think for some people it can be that reserved thing where you it, it is so special but it doesn't have to be and i totally mm-hmm. understand people who are like no it's just fun it's just sex and it is just sex and i i definitely agree that it but is there's something different about
1: like the grasping the hips and like the mm-hmm. th- right because like i like I like getting my ass played with like you can use toys on me, but I haven't let anyone like strap it on. You take it off the strap on. I'll let you use it on me. But the act of like the strap on and bending over and having someone like grab me and th- like that.
0: Yeah, that's
1: the intimate part. And that's the part that I would like, at least for the first time, would like to reserve for someone else. Also, because I don't have much else to save for that <laughs> special <laughs> right. person. I'd like to give them something.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done
1: fair. too much. um but it's funny when i walk around the street that like you know if i wear that shirt and people will actually still 2023 people will still ask me what's pegging what's pegging on the train yeah as i get off at 14th street i'll just be like google it not (laughs) on the train though don't you don't want to do it when you get home
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean when it comes to i'm not super out on like my facebook my go private Facebook page or anything like that when it comes to like hey you guys my mom my dad you know like all this stuff like I just wrote a book on pegging I don't really talk about it in that um, realm all that do often.
1: they know that you wrote a book about pegging uh,
0: my mom does yeah she. your she dad found doesn't my dad doesn't, but he's like a Trump supporting Republican. I don't really talk to him, so like, okay. there's never really been a situation. Are your parents still, him like, oh yeah, and
1: your parents are separated. And they're separated, right,
0: yeah, yeah. So it hasn't come up. Even if he did, he probably wouldn't talk about it. So that's which is fair. I don't want to talk about Peggy. Does your mom want daughter. to talk
1: about it with it to with you too much?
0: So we haven't had an opportunity to do that. Uh, I think she was more just like, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, oh, that's nice.
1: (laughs) She's leaning into the writing a book part of of the sentence. Yes.
0: You finally wrote a public and published a book. Like that's, that's wonderful. Um, And so I think, yeah, she would have a conversation with me. I do have a cool mom. (laughs) So I think that that would be okay. But, um, but I also have like totally non kinky, non poly friends on my Facebook feed. There's not that many, honestly, like Mm. there it's, few and far between but um but it i'm very open within my queer and poly friend communities and i have shared with all of them time and time and time again how excited i was about publishing uh, a book on pegging and so like in those communities um i've i've definitely like been out and I, i feel comfortable being out and talking about it to anyone um God I've rambled my way until not knowing what the, what the question was anymore what were we talking about?
1: <laughs> no 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 you were doing great. I, I mean I think I was originally at what well, we kind of went off about asking about the parents and you're like where you're sharing it where you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a cool mom but then I mean the problem is when we talk about sex for a living, cool moms sometimes then start getting more comfortable than like you're comfortable talking with them specifically about. Oh, and, and, and I'm just like, like, I, you know, I at the broken sex expo I had a, I had a motor bunny on my table. I was raffling off and my mom came to visit at the expo. And then she like had too much fun with the motor bunny at the, she was playing. We have a really good video of her just having too much fun. And I'm just, they're like, who's that random lady. I'm just like, <laughs> that's my mom. <laughs> She's really too into this toy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like you she know, deserves when, pleasure too but I don't want to hear about I, it <laughs> you
0: don't want to know yeah I just don't want to know when I came out to my mom about being poly uh, and this was you know really early on uh, she was like oh your dad and I kind of did that I mean we <laughs> lied we lied about it the whole time but we did that and I was like well, that's not the same mom <laughs> that's the opposite that's the exact opposite but okay thanks for trying uh, and then years later with her now husband she was talking about how they kind of have like a rule um, he was in jail for like a third, a third DUI or some fucking bullshit. I don't know what, but he was in jail at some point and they had, uh, an agreement that she could have uh, another relationship while he's in jail. And I was like, I really don't, I actually don't want to know. I don't want to talk about that. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to know about that at all, but I'm glad you feel comfortable coming out to me about being open. Uh, I guess I'm the person to talk to about this, but also don't want to know. I just don't want to know.
1: Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to when, especially in a, uh, we'll say just a smaller city, which is all cities to me, the uh, elitist New Yorker, but no, (laughs) it's, You know, when you're starting in a way to build a space like you did in Milwaukee and, and have. There's something about being that person who like puts the who lets their freak flag fly. You've put it mm-hmm. out there. And you're like, people are going to know that I'm like this. I don't give a fuck. But then it tracks. Everyone who's in your orbit, they want to talk to you privately. They're they, They're just like, oh, gosh, I had no idea no one else was like me in Bixby. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then like you are now the resource for that because you were just you were just like one of the early people to be brave enough to say so.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, being that I now have like a podcast about polyamory, a book on pegging, and I work at a sex toy store, I get a lot of DMs when mm-hmm. it comes to like people are like, so I have this poly issue. Can I can I get you a coffee or can I just talk your ear off? via facebook messenger or whatever um i am interested in pegging let me know what i should buy i have you know like or gosh i feel like people oftentimes it's poly advice sometimes it's pegging advice Mm -hmm. um or even you know i'm interested in getting my partner a sex toy here you know these are three things i'm thinking about what do you have what do you think yeah so i definitely do get that i feel like an ambassador of like sex positivity sometimes and I love that role. I do love it, but can be exhausting because I'm like, Google is free.
1: <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> so, or it's like, hi, I have a, I have a nice. fucking podcast. Like, just yeah. go listen. Like, I had a I had a bully from high school DM me years back to be like, you know, like me and my girlfriend, uh, we like playing with my ass. I think I might be bisexual. Can we talk? I was like, can we just get over like all the, th- <laughs> can we first address like all the shit you called me in high school?
0: Because <laughs> right. we
1: didn't really do anything in between there. I don't think we had a reconciliation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I don't think I can also like help, you know, Sherpa you through your sexual identity. Right. For <laughs> now, free too. Like that's for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that too. It's <laughs> like, first I think we just need restitution for what happened in the past. Right. And then right. we can start in well, the Well, I think that was
0: actually a huge motivator for having the podcast and writing the book is that I was like, you, I can send people somewhere where I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't want to have this conversation. And it's often the same conversation over and over and over again. I can now send someone to go buy my book and I can go send them to my podcast, which has almost 100 episodes. And I can be like, go sort through that, you know, like just do that first and then come back to me. Because if you have something that I haven't talked about, which is almost impossible <laughs> at this point, then I'll answer your question. But yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think that was a huge motivator for me.
1: And one of those questions, I at least I see a lot on Reddit, and I've, I've heard from time to time, are women who have male partners, and the question is, how do I get my boyfriend or husband to let me peg him?
0: Because yeah, they I mean, really
1: fucking want to. They love that Broad City episode. Yeah. And they're like, I want it for me now. And there's like, mm-hmm. ah, he won't let me grab the butt. So now, I mean, I'm sure you're going to give me a very politically, nicely worded, <laughs> uh, proper sex educator uh, answer to what I'm going to purposefully phrase is this. But how do you how do women convince their men to let them peg them?
0: Well, I will say first, I get both sides, right? How do I convince my female partner to peg me? And how do I convince my partner mm-hmm. to get pegged? I absolutely get both sides. In fact, I would say I get more men asking how to approach the issue than I do women.
1: But I feel like that the first one's a little easy. Like if she's willing to say, put like a finger or two in your butt, I feel like that's just an easier chat than I think the <laughs> women are having with the guys who won't let them play back there.
0: For sure. Yeah. So I think that. One uh, fun option is watching the Broad City episode together, (laughs) you know, and being like, hey, see this really hot guy who's into pegging? Uh, That's cool. And all of us ladies think that that's really hot. Um, And so that's a fun way to broach the issue. But then also, I think kind of talking about someone's insecurities and potentially homophobia and potential like things that they are worried about when it comes to pegging is another way to at least ease their fears, um, you know, cause some, some guys are, again, they think any kind of butt play makes them gay, which it doesn't. There's not mm-hmm. a little light switch in your asshole that like you can turn off and on. It's just this button
1: ho- that makes sex. Awesome. That's yeah. All. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the button is there. Uh, it's just a good button. Yeah. <laughs> um, And, and we talk about that in the book a little bit about like, yeah, you know, nothing makes you gay. You either, you know, you are, or you aren't, or you're somewhere in between and you, Um, and maybe sexual exploration opens up doors for you, but that's not really something to be afraid of. That's Mm -hmm. something to embrace. That's something to be excited about. Uh, so I think that when it comes to ass play, everyone has an ass, it's a unisex, uh, sexual, uh, toy, (laughs) I guess, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and everyone has nerve endings in their ass. So sometimes, um, sexual, sexual exploration, if you're, trying to get someone to do which you can't again you can't control anybody you're not going to be able to force them to do it but if you want them to experience pleasure broaching the issue like i would like you to experience the greatest pleasure of all and let's let's say that that's pegging um and and then i think also allowing the fact that they might not be into it And they might try it and then not be into it. They might try it three times and still not be into it. Like, that's always going to be a possibility, uh, however unfortunate that is. But um, broaching the fears and insecurities, trying to get over those, um, playing, you know, uh, creating those like Pavlovian response of there's going to be a finger while I'm going down on you or a plug or a vibrating plug, or we're going to use, um, you know, like something that you can wear before sex, uh, you know? So like creating those um, like connections of this ass play connecting to really awesome orgasm um, then can lead to, well, more ass play, uh, bigger things in my ass, you know, things mm. that like, and then eventually a strap
1: on. Mm, okay. Yeah, start small and and yeah. just try to get them into the idea. You know, why, why do you think, there are so many women who are starting. It just seems, I mean, I know this is anecdotal evidence, so I don't want to create a trend. I hate it when like writers do that. Like, you know, Oh, Salon, they just posted an article and they said, this trend's happening. No, it's not. You just said it was, and now it will be yeah. just breathing. But, but it does seem there is a, a growing interest or a more open interest in pegging from women. And, uh, you know, what do you think that's about? Is it power? Is it seeing a man in a vulnerable position? Is it about like, now he can see what it feels like when he fucks me in the ass? Like, what do you think it is that that chicks are getting really into about this?
0: Uh, I think for some people, it's it's kinky and power play. It's I have always been fucked and I want to be the fucker. You know, mm. like I want to change the dynamic and it's a role reversal. And I think for some people, that is definitely the the spark, the thing that makes them like horny for this act. For some people, I think it's the knowledge that prostate orgasms are um, different and unique and fun in in a in a in a in a a different way right and so it's like the the journey of an adventure of exploring something new um and and then i think for some people like myself it's kind of like that intimacy that shared like uh vulnerability of something that can be really it, it can create a different connection and a more close connection with a partner Um, so yeah, I think it's so different. And some people it's purely kink, you know, it's just like, I'm a top and I want to fuck a bottom. (laughs) Like, and, and, and what's so interesting is I really do feel like you can top from the bottom, like you can still be pegged and be a dom, or you can still be pegged and be a top. I think that's totally possible. And, um, oftentimes people don't think about it that way, but I, I'm a bottom and I've pegged and I do not think that I was topping necessarily i mean maybe physically but like i i don't think i was being a dom a dom or a dominant person by pegging i was doing something to give my partner pleasure and i think in a lot of ways that kind of control is similar to blowjobs in that like having all of the control in a blowjob can be very uh toppy can be very like dominant but oftentimes it's seen as a subversive act as a, as a submissive act. Um, and I think for the longest time when I was growing up in the nineties, blowjobs were something that people did because they were forced to, because they were like coerced into it. And I always like, even just growing up with like eighties and nineties movies, blowjobs never seemed like a cool, Mm. fun thing for the woman. It always seemed like something they were like being pressured into or they were some
1: sort of like comically slutty character that like yes. we're not like oh that's a person you don't want to be like and look how hungry she is for cock
0: right right uh, that was the yeah, other it wasn't, archetype it wasn't something that you wanted to be Um, but then it's
1: weird for like movies being made mostly by men, like you should be somehow making the blowjob scene like a great thing,
0: right? (laughs) One would think, yeah, you want to make it, yeah, put the best foot forward when that comes. But like, I think that there was a shift, and I was probably in my early 20s when it happened that they were like, no, actually, and a lot of people maybe I was reading online women's experiences of being like, going down on my partner is the most control I have, and I was like, oh. Oh, interesting. And it shifted my brain. But I was, you know, like in my late teens, early 20s when that shift happened. And I think this is just another shift. It's another mind shift of like, oh, you could be, you know, like having more control in the relationship. You could be having more control in the sexual dynamic.
1: Mm. But like, and and I know, I I know I was like uh, trying to land the plane here. But like this is something I've always been very curious about as someone like who doesn't have a pussy. It's A lot of these, there are a lot of things sexually I hear from like women or AFAB people who go like, they describe a sexual pleasure that is purely mental. Mm -hmm. Pegging, unless you're using a certain type of strap on that also gets you off or something. You know, you're not getting very much physical stimulation from that, but they fucking love it and they're so turned on. Or the giving the blowjob. Well, unless you're diddling yourself, got uh, they're just like I'm so aroused and turned on, and yet nothing is physically happening to them. And that's something that I know, like at least in this body, like I don't experience as much because some sort of touch, even if it's not on my genitals, is is still involved when we're doing something that's mentally arousing. So when you describe like this mental arouse, like what does that physically feel like in your body to be? mentally turned on and not being physically stimulated while you suck a dick or use a strap on or something in that realm. Did that make sense to you?
0: Yeah. And actually, I think because I identify as demisexual, it is different in my head Mm. because I really do only feel like a sexual attraction where I want to give someone sexual pleasure if I have a connection with them, if I am like mentally connected to them already. Otherwise, then it just feels similar to giving someone a massage. Like sex to me, if I'm not connected to them, is uh and is not as bodily of an experience. And so if I'm not really, really into somebody and they ask for pegging, my first thought is what's in it for me? Like mm. why, why would I do that? But if I'm into them and I'm like I, I have a really strong connection to them, then for me the mental thing is giving someone pleasure and and feeling pleasure at giving pleasure. Right. And so for blowjobs pegging i mean even giving someone a a physical massage even even doing something like that it's work it's strenuous it can be painful sometimes if you're deep throating or if you're doing something wrong um you know like so all of that is a kind of like focus on someone else's pleasure and if you're the type of person to get off on someone else getting off like that is the the mental um like motivator for
1: all of that, and this is going to be the silliest boy question so like i'm aware but does that manifest that does that mental arousal manifest physically in a way that you experience besides like oh i'm really wet right now like i like is it like a throbbing like what is what's that physical sensation as someone who doesn't have your parts (laughs) when you have that mental arousal
0: Oh, it's so interesting. Um, there's actually this amazing book called "Come as You Are" by Emily Nagoski, mm-hmm. and she talks about like this arousal non-concordance, which is you can be fully aroused and not be wet, or you can be fully aroused and not have a, a hard on, right? Yeah. And it's confusing because mentally you're there, but your body is not cooperating, and it can be really and it can be confusing for yourself and your partners, you know, because they're thinking you should be really wet right now. You're t- turned on, right? Or you should be really hard right now. You're turned on. And mm. Your body's just not working with you. And so I feel like mm, the like being super mentally turned on doesn't always translate to being super wet or super or like your body is throbbing. Sometimes it can. And I think okay. sometimes it does. And that's always really fun. If I'm like going down on a partner and then they start fingering me and they're like, holy shit, you're really into this. And I'm like, hell yeah, I am. Uh, but like, sometimes it's not and you know that's Lube is your friend so it doesn't really always matter but but um, I think it's like yeah it can manifest in, in a million different ways and it can manifest in this feeling of pride sometimes I think that's what it is I think it's like I'm proud that I am getting my partner off so effectively mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is so cool. I love that about what I'm doing right now or like being able to know your partner's like anatomy, or just plain like dick going down on them knowing exactly what movements what thing to do with my tongue to get them off like that is something i can be proud of mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it's like a weird level of pride that's like awkward to talk about i guess but like you know it's like a cool thing to, to have that in your like you know knowledge i know my way around a cock i am a good blowjob giver and then if there's somebody who i meet and whether it's due to me or it's due to like medications they're on and they can't come from a blowjob it's a real it hurts <laughs> I'm like, oh no where's my prize so much yeah exactly <laughs> uh and so and that's something that i've had to work through <laughs> and just to be like it's actually not about you if you want to give pleasure and their pleasure might be a different um like metric you know and it's not always coming fun is, is the goal like, is
1: giving not, a blowjob where like they don't come is that is that like when you play the claw game and you've got it you've got it, and it's about to go and it drops right before it actually drops into the hole where you get it the prize can
0: be, it can feel that way it's like anticlimactic and then sometimes because we've uh, like people socialize as women uh, so for so long have been like like brainwashed to think that a man coming is the end of sex Mm -hmm. and it's still in my brain it's still there where i'm like well that's the end well what do we do then if i don't know where the end is yeah and and it has been something i've had to work through for years of like oh it can be anything or we could just
1: stop like it's fine stop we can transfer to other things we can come back to that and sex toys have
0: also been great like
1: yeah what was that
0: Sex toys have also been great to like be ah. like we can move on to do something else with sex toys. But yeah, it's yeah. like
1: this dick right now is not going to get into a state where I can like penetrate you. That's cool. Uh let's do this instead. Or also, and this is where I get weird. It's like there's a lot of times where my cock's like at like a twenty-five to sixty percent. Right, it's like it's got blood flow in there. It's 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 thickened up, but it's hanging. Um, it feels great. Like a blowjob right. where I'm not there's rock hard. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's like fifty. Yeah. It's like half hard. And, and I'm, but, but I'm fine receiving like that. The problem mm-hmm. is I need to know that she also is on the same page of like, dicks do not need to be hard all the time to mean that this feels good. And it's like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to have to keep stopping and say, yes, this feels good. Right. I, <laughs> to reassure I want to just keep them over and over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like if we're on the same page with like, with that mentality, that philosophy on sex, I'm good. Then I don't give a shit about my erection. When it's somebody who I can tell is like, just i'm trying to get it hard so we could do the fuck thing yeah. then that's when i because now the pressure has been reintroduced and like i didn't give a shit until i saw that she gave a shit yeah and, and the feel pressure like re- makes
0: it worse then and it's yeah. similar i think with like being wet or or um you know like my body's not working in the way that i want it to necessarily like that can also translate to like so you're not turned on or you're like what's happening um and i think also there's there are people who get more turned on during sex. So during foreplay, they're like not your, their body's not responding in the way that they, that they want to necessarily. But I've had cocks like, definitely get hard inside of me whether like vaginally or in my mouth and that's that's a cool feeling right that's a fun neat feeling you get to feel
1: it inflate is that what yeah exactly
0: like inflate basically does does it
1: start to like put like is it pleasurable to feel it start to like press against walls or whatever yes
0: yeah it's cool and it doesn't happen all that often but like when it can i'm like do it try (laughs) it's fun
1: yeah i'm i'm always just like i'm not it's also a matter of like how much time is this sex session supposed to be is this like a quick half hour we're rolling around and okay like getting harder faster would be helpful so we could do or is this like hey we got all the time because then I'm like I don't give a fuck man like I'm just like I'm hard I'm soft I don't care like is somebody feeling good in the moment but again it comes like it comes like, are we on the same page? Like, do yeah. you think this is a long session too? Or well, and some like, people
0: Im- don't want to come. Like, I mm. I was just talking to a friend the other day about how they don't come at orgies because they don't want it to end, and so they often don't. They just don't. And then by the time that they get to a point where they could, they're like over sensitive or something, and they just can't do it anymore. This is a
1: dick person or a pussy person? Dick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's also the idea at a party is like. Depending on how how many times you feel like you can like recover and go, yeah. sometimes like I just don't want to. I don't want to waste the good one.
0: Exactly right, and then, I know like, number
1: three is not going to be as good.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like there are definitely people who are like, I know I can come one time and then I'm done, and so I don't want to come at all because then I won't be because I don't have to be done then.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to save. I want to save this through the night. I totally, yeah. I totally feel that. Um, the, my last question before before we depart, Lindsay is. Do you have tips for those hips with Pegan? <laughs> that is the number 1 complaint I I hear so many women who find out, "Oh, I have a new appreciation for what you do." For thrusting, <laughs>
0: absolutely. And I I've, I've been there where I was like, "What? I did not realize this was such hard work." <laughs> and uh yeah, you know what's funny is uh I for fun, just as a as a as a fun exercise, I used to hula hoop all the time, and it's the same motion. <laughs> okay. So if you if you happen to be able to get a hula hoop, that's a really fun way to exercise your hips and, and get into the the groove of it. And I do think that like uh, practice makes perfect. Sure, there's always that doing some squats and stretching beforehand, drinking water while you while you're pegging is is always a all those good things. You know, like getting your body prepped and ready. Um, but it really does. I think you mentally have to set your expectations in a, in a certain way that like, you're going to get tired. You're not used to this. Like you're going to get tired and taking breaks is a good thing probably for both the top and bottom for the Mm -hmm. giver and receiver. Like taking some breaks is important. Um, and going slow because yeah, it's, it's a totally different movement. And even, even more than being on top or, or like riding cowgirl, it's so different. Like, Bouncing up and down is different than thrusting in and out. It's just different. So, and you don't know until you try. So it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to, it's hard to gauge how well your body is going to be able to like maintain uh, thrusting. So knowing that you can stop and do something else too is really important. You don't have to come from pegging. You can, it can be a, a, a point on the, in the play spectrum of what you're doing that
1: night. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for uh, making time to chat with us. Uh, This is great getting to know you. Where can people now? The pegging book is out, is available. You can get it right now as we're closing this show. Yes. Uh, But for now, while they're entering their credit card information, Lindsay, where can people (laughs) go to find you, follow you, get your book? So,
0: thepeggingbook.com is a good way to find all of the links and places to find the book. Um, The well, Polyamory Uncensored is the podcast that I. Um, co-host and manage and so that one is it's a good space space to find me if you want to listen to Polly stories and um and then i'm also Lindsay on twitter just at Lindsay l-y-n-d-z-i uh i'm i've i've been hyper fixating on a certain tv show lately and that's all i've been talking about but you know (laughs) uh like i do talk about sex and, and and sex politics often as well so I'm there.
1: Well, Alice, uh, this is great. Uh, thanks again. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody?
0: All right, bye, you
1: all. You're gonna stay for the teaser, right? Because I know you love content and you want more content. And if you just if you hang out the next like ninety to 150 seconds, you're gonna get some uh, just a little bit more content on the back end. Okay. Chuck, I know you submitted in the Ask the Guest channel in the Champagne Room, uh, but, you know, I think towards the end, she kind of addressed your question. It's why I didn't ask it, you know, talking about the, uh, the relationship between, like, masculinity uh, in the context of pegging. I think we got to it. And tomorrow you can hear even more of me and Lindsay Miller exclusively on Patreon. We were talking all about uh, polyamory, like, rules you know, how, like, those those rules you make in your early poly days that you think will protect you, but actually don't do jack shit if you can't communicate. Uh, and, and talk also a little bit about relationship anarchy is a fun bonus, uh, and you can gain access to that one at patreon.com slash Podcast. That'll be available to all the $5 and up levels. By the way, at the $5 tier, you know, you gain access to nearly 300 Bonus episodes. If you have binged this bad boy and you wish there was more, I'm t- there's so much more on the Patreon. Become a member today. Support the pod you love. Link in the show notes. You can send me your advice questions, your comments, your criticisms, your wagers on how much longer it takes for Billy to finally be pegged. Uh, you can email any and all of that to me at manhorpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also discuss this week's episode in the episode discussion channel In the Champagne Room. And be sure to follow me on all the social media. You can get links to any and all of that information in the show notes of this episode. Shit, I'm not gonna have time to squeeze yoga in, am I? I'm not. Maybe a 10 minute joint. I could, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off of this because I'm gonna try to squeeze 10 minutes of yoga in, get like the quickest, you know, trim this beard down. And, and then I got like a hot date around the corner. Uh, Chris, buddy, if you're still listening, hang in there, all right? I hope you got like a hot nurse to fantasize about. Good luck to all of us in the Fanhor Mega Millions pool to, uh, last night. I, who knows? Maybe, maybe we won. I don't know yet. Tune in next week to hear how much we won. Last time we spent, I think it was $210. We, we won $2. Yes, I did Venmo everyone back 13 cents each. They were both uh, tickled by and frustrated by it. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Stay slutty.
0: Yeah, oftentimes when I talk about it, um, there it's are like people coming like inside. That.
1: Someone's usually considered more serious.
0: It usually is, and I totally understand that. And I and I never I I wouldn't say that um people should do it. I'm like mm-hmm. saying no, no, no. Please, everyone should use condoms. I I, I agree, but it's also your personal choice. Sure. Uh And then I also think that like we should be talking about STIs in a similar way that we talk about getting a cold, because oftentimes it is something like you know an a round of antibiotics or a you know whatever you need to do there are obviously you know yeah. levels to this
1: and there you got, are you got there some are sores you're gonna have to take a couple of weeks off
0: yeah. right there are things that are very um de- detrimental to someone's health and and then there are there are things that are very very easy to get over and very simple to find and test for and so oftentimes when i try to talk about the kind of like destigmatized nature of like stis and 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 sex and and Ethical, nominog- ethical sex, mm. um, I try to talk about how like, yeah, absolutely, you should use protection, use as much protection as you need to feel safe. But also, it's not the end of the world if you get chlamydia. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to kill you. Oh, potentially, hopefully. <laughs> it's not the end of the world, though. And uh, we have modern technology. Uh, so like, y- thinking about STIs as maybe like, uh, closer to getting a cold.